the pantheon of bro movies, we often get flawed characters. Bros, bros tend to be flawed, no matter how great they think they are. They are flawed individuals. This doesn't usually come across with a lot of subtlety. Um, generally, it's just like, yo, we wanna sleep with this person, but you know, it's tough when you when you can't sleep with somebody. Or it's, you know, how does one be a dad? Murderp! But, in today's film, directed by Malcolm Lee, we get a group of gentlemen who all have good qualities, bad qualities, and a lot of qualities in between, where the the central group of this movie is as diverse as a D&D campaign. There's, everybody's got their own particular set of skills and personality quirks that they bring to the group. On the other side of that, we have a group of women who all are wanting something in particular from all of these men. And each one of them have their own particular personalities, and this whole group together has a history. And while I don't think this is one of our greatest films, or greatest rom-coms, I would say, it is one that just dedicates itself almost wholeheartedly to being a mess. And in that mess, there is found the beauty of conflict. And I, I kind of love that about this film. So sit back, relax, and try to figure out with us who is the best bro in this film. Is it Terrence Howard? Harold Perrineau? Morris Chestnut? Tay Diggs? Neil Long? It's one of them. It's the best man. I want to teach a rock class and the part when the metal singer goes for the falsetto. I oh, call, like a Coheed and Cambria? Uh, I call that, and you got to have a crotch grab I moment. Speaking of crotch grabs, um, <laughs> welcome to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. My name is Kelly McCrillis. I am one of your hosts. And my other host, who's sitting across from me enjoying a martini, is... Lorraine Graves. Enjoying this martini that my wife made, and she was so apologetically 1950s housewife about it. She's like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I just wanted to make you guys a martini. I did have to point out that even though she was barefoot and she was technically in the kitchen, she was also wearing pants. Mm, yeah, I mean that'll really. Pants. I mean that really takes away from the whole. Clink me. Oh, clinky, clinky, clinky again. <sighs> listeners, dear listeners, we want to tell you about a really special thing that happened to us. We went to our first. Wait, wait, was it our? Yeah, it was our first movie back together. No, no, that was Lapisine. Oh, that was Lapisine. That was a different bad movie. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was just French. It was very art house. Um, this movie that we saw was the Edgar Wright documentary, The Sparks Brothers. Oh my god! It was so good. Um, I Ryan, what's what's your adage about Sparks? Uh, so Sparks is a band that I hadn't heard of, and I thought it was me a, neither. I thought it was a very like cultured person, especially when it came to like cool music. I was like, oh yeah, I, li- I listen to Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm on the up and up. I've listened to Tom York's album without Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, listen to this album. But this this movie introduced me to Sparks, which is a band that's been around since 1971 and is still going. <sighs> it's so crazy. It blows my mind every time. It. This is basically our. This is our word of mouth. 
yeah. to get you guys to go see Sparks if you can. I, it's not released everywhere. It's like it's in larger metropolises. But if you have the opportunity to go find your local art house theater, it's it's just I mean, it's got like really quirky personality, just like the the artists, like the filmmaking mm-hmm. is great. But you it's really about discovering this band that more people should know about and it's it's edgar wright who did you know the shine of the dead movies but he also did baby driver trilogy yeah the cornetto trilogy excuse me simon (laughs) peg but he also did baby driver and Mm -hmm. scott pilgrim yep and so you can tell from those two movies that he has like an ear and eye for music oh very much and this documentary has the same sensibility where it really yeah it really does and i i just like the like every documentary kind of has a format this movie feels like it was made in 2020 in a way where it's like a lot of talking heads, a lot of found footage. Yeah. Like the only people interacting together are like brothers or like band members. Yeah. And uh, but it for all of that, it still feels exciting. Yeah. And Sparks is just such an interesting, interesting band with lots of different eras. And so to prove that, I'm going to play this for you. And now I'm going to play this for you. And then I'm going to play this for you because I'm actually the one editing. Music that you can dance to, that and that alone is enough for me. Stock naked modern music, hotter than your mama will ever be. So there you go. You got to go see it. See it. It's, it's it was so nice to be in a movie theater with big ass movie theater speakers. Oh, my gosh. This was I would not have wanted to like have my first time watching this. Not in a theater. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. go go get it. So if you if you can go in a theater. Speaking of theaters, we were at the theater. Oh, my um, gosh. This this guy again. <laughs> so while we were there, um, kind of halfway through, we saw this guy like throwing popcorn at the screen. And then he's just, just kind of like, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. He booed. He yeah, booed he, in the theater. He booed. And I leaned over to Kevin like, is that who I think it is? Yeah, and we're it like, was. It was the train man. It's the fucking, it's the train, fucking train man. man. And he was there. He he left. Thank God, because I think there were a couple of ushers like yeah, walking over to were, do their job. Yeah. But uh, before he left, he not only threw some popcorn, he threw a new essay at us. Mm-hmm. And it was my essay. Yeah. He he apprehended it, got it, threw it back to us. Yeah. I gave it to Ryan. Yeah. And Ryan, what was it about? Well, this is a Kelly's Patreon essay. It's about ostensibly James Bond, but it's, it's really about being vulnerable. As all humans should be we, uh, we should, should be aspire vulnerable. to be anyway uh yeah I, I i don't know i can i tell you how i came up with this article yeah i literally came up with i was just thinking about james bond and i came up with um the title absence makes the heart grow bonder just oh, yeah for no reason and then i was like you know what james bond is a very lonely sort of human being character person he is thing He's a he's a Ronin. Nope, he's not a Ronin. He's nothing like a Ronin. He he has a master, and yeah. her name is his name is M. Yeah, sometimes her name, sometimes, sometimes his name, her his. And um, I just I really wanted to talk about Casino Royale, which is my favorite Bond film. Uh, is it yours? I was I I can't decide between that or Goldeneye, but they're the, both great. It's the same director too, but so different in its approach to Bond. Yes, and I I think all the Bonds are kind of different, but I like that with this particular film they tried to gift daniel craig a heart um and to give james bond a heart is a very like he can have a heart where he's like sparing somebody's life or you know you know he saves a kid or something like that but to make giant james bond the 
the human the the human penis um, mm-hmm. love That's is him. is a very interesting difficult task. And so I, w- I just wanted to write about that. I was literally making the case. This is so f- such funny synchronicity. I was making the case to a coworker today. And he was like, oh, the Bond movies are all misogynistic. And I'm like, that's rather ignorant of you to say. You haven't even looked at Casino Royale. And you haven't even looked at, like, Daniel Craig's, like, force in those movies of, like, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, yeah. I, I think I think we can... There's I some think flaws. There's but, some flaws. But for sure, I think they're trying to go into a different direction with, with him. Yeah, yeah. Especially in Casino Royale, mm-hmm. where he is... We, we see masculinity is a... It is a tender-hearted thing, too. Right. Like, some people get turned off by the whole him kissing the blood off of her fingers because mm-hmm. he thinks they think it's a little too sexual. But I don't know. I'm I'm willing to forgive it because it's not James Bond. It is it is still an evolved Bond. Yeah. Like, people get better in steps. They're not perfect. <laughs> uh, someone, this has nothing to do with your essay, but I thought there was this interesting point that someone made the point, one of the screenwriters of the series, is James Bond is a film franchise that gets rebooted every 10 years with yeah. every Bond. Uh-huh. And it's been so well kept as a series. It's been able to last as long as it is because it's had the same producers for 40 years. Yeah, crazy. And it's not some studio trying to like constantly rejigger the the formula. Sure. And now that Amazon is going to own MGM, that all could change. That's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like, M- well, MG- <laughs> MGM, basically Bond was the last tent pole of MGM. It was yeah. the only thing keeping the tent like up but <laughs> but like all the sides of the tent are like wrapped around bond so he can't move anywhere um and so it was bound to happen i wish it wasn't amazon i wish it was somebody like paramount or universal that yeah. got him but that's fine we'll we'll just have to see yeah yeah speaking of keeping the tent up let's talk about our movie the best man you want to tell me a story about it <laughs> yeah okay cool tell me a story turk let me tell you a story about love D'Artagnan. ask about love Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. So, the best man starts with... Tay Diggs. Diggs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, before I get into it, I have to say this. Uh, I was watching the movie. I'm like, Tay Diggs is so hot. And Sarah's like, no, 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 no. Mar- Morris Chestnut is the hot one. I was like, no, Tay Diggs is the hot one. She's like, Morris Chestnut. And we got into an argue about it for five minutes. Like, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Who's hotter in this movie? Okay. C- can we start with the hotness of Tay Diggs really yeah. quick? Your body's fierce. Is it? Like Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. I mean, first five minutes, he's naked in a, in a, in a, Mm-hmm. tub basically with his lady robin and so the I best just, accidental porno music too in it yo yeah i mean this movie is full of like late 90s like yeah. tv score <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um but uh tay diggs who is playing harper i love that he's a writer and his name is harper because it just makes me think of harper collins right i i, I think that is the writers doing something intentional yeah, yeah. which is fine yeah but um i'm going to come out and say this right now no writer looks how that good <laughs> Tay Diggs looks not not the face the face is fine but when he takes off his his shirt Tay Diggs is the person who is like fighting Bruce Lee in yeah. a movie yeah. he's that ripped uh if you want to know what a writer looks like look up Selman Rushdie that's what a writer looks like L- look up writers date in people fact- who look like Tay Diggs oh for sure for sure <laughs> look up uh, look up um 
Ernest Hemingway, okay? Ernest Hemingway is known as like the athletic writer, but and he's still, he's still thick. <laughs> he's still fatty. Um, Ryan and I are both writers. I'm. There, you got two kinds of writers. You got writers who are like, you know, settled, and they sit into their chair, and they're like, mm, I'm very comfortable. And you have writers like me who are just very skinny because we mm-hmm. mainly subsist off coffee. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what you have. You don't have the hot, ripped writer. Or maybe you do, and I just don't know him. Um, I'm trying to think of other writers we've encountered in our in episode. real life. No, in our episodes so far, are there are other novelists that we've met? William Goldman. <laughs> no, no, like oh, oh. characters that are writers. Characters like William writers. Goldman is hot because he wrote The Princess Bride. He'll no, always but... have that. <laughs> William Goldman would, would look over at you. I think he'd raise an eyebrow and he'd go, "Fuck you, I like you." <laughs> isn't set it up? Isn't he a writer? Doesn't he want to be a writer? Who set the, it up? The guy. The he. Boy oh no, person. she wants With to be a writer. With Tay Diggs. No, she, she wants, wants to be a sports writer. Yeah, she wants to be a writer. He wants to be stuff. something else. Uh, he he wants to be stuff. Is basically all you care about. Um, no, she wants to be a writer, and she's she's really she's really cute. But I'd say that she still is like she's not an athlete who would go in the Olympics. Tay Diggs would be like, you know what I think I'm going to try next? MMA. Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, yeah, in a year, you, you could probably be ready to like, you know, fight in the MMA. So hot Tay Diggs comes home to his beautiful apartment. And wouldn't you know it? He's Chicago. neurotic. He's a clean guy. Oh, man. He's uh, almost said STD. He's OCD. <laughs> no. If anybody has STD in this, it's Morris Chestnut. <laughs> yeah. Or Quentin. Or um, maybe Quentin. Well, Terrence yeah, we'll, Howard. We'll, Terrence Howard. Yeah. Oh man, I love Terrence Howard in this movie. Yes. Um, so he comes home, finds his lady love, Robin. made a mess in his apartment. Oh no! But she's baking something delicious, and they have this romantic night together. But he keeps thinking about you know what's next for him because he's this hotshot new novelist where his big <laughs> debut novel is going to be picked up by Oprah from okay. the Oprah Book Club. So this is this is my I I actually like this movie, but this is my first big sticking point for this movie. Mm-hmm. He comes home and he's like, by the way, my book got. Picked, it's going to be picked up by Oprah. I'm going to get interviewed. It's going on her like read this uh-huh. like list, which is especially in the 90s, the biggest deal that you could possibly yes. get. Besides New York Times bestseller, Oprah's book list is the best it's, thing that you can get. It's the show. And he's like basically wooden about it. And she's f- happy for him, but not as ecstatic as she should be. Yeah. We would be freaking out. Like dinner wouldn't matter anymore. We would go on the town. I, I think my headcanon was... Maybe this wasn't as big a deal yet. Maybe this was like an aughts thing when it really like solidified and this was like a newer thing and this was like Maybe. an up and common thing. That was my head. You, you think they were they were like advertising for Oprah right now? <laughs> yeah. Um, my other thing is he already is successful and he's got a really nice like brownstone in downtown oh, Chicago. It's so nice. Yeah. Whatever sure. he was doing before his first novel came out, it was something... Like I figured he was like a staff writer for the New Yorker or something oh, big. Yeah, that he was or already or like maybe successful. he was a professor of some kind. Yeah, um, but like nobody calls well him a himself. professor. It's just that he's a writer, so he must be successful in some way. Yeah, that's he's a already nice successful. place. Yeah, it's one of those like. It's, I think. It's, do you think it's a '90s thing where everything was like everybody lives in a big house in the late '90s? Um, kind of. I, I I do like your your defense of like a movie like Notting Hill, where it's like, well, yeah, he lives in Notting Hill, but he's got Spike. He's got a roommate, and the place is messy. Yeah, like it's it's all of the furniture is like hodgepodge. It's like these are people who still have furniture from college. What's funny is 
you know, looking at the Nancy Myers thing of like these protagonists have really nice houses and the economics mm-hmm. don't matter for it. And like someone like my wife like is into it where she's like, I want to be the kind of woman who owns that place. And then when we watch this movie and we're also writers, we're like looking at his house and we don't even get that feeling of like, ooh, I want that. We're like, fuck you. <laughs> we're like, we don't buy it. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah. Well, there's there's the logic of it, but I do actually want that house. Oh, we I want yeah, it, yeah. but it's not like mm, it's no, it's bitter envy. It's just like, ugh, well, guy. I think I think this is just uh, I want to bring this up. I think this is a writer thing. As much as we learn to champion each other, the jealousy and envy is still there. Mm hmm. Any success somebody else has as a writer, even if it's 99%, you're like, yeah, man, I'm so glad for you. There's 1% that's like, are you kidding me? Why not me? My opinion is I hate it. I mean, you haven't even read it. If it's bad, I'll hate it because I hate bad writing. If it's good, I'll be envious and hate it all the more. You don't want the opinion of another writer. So he, he the, the, the setup for his like character arc for now is that he's just thinking about the future and what's going on for him. And he's not really focused on the here and now. And his girlfriend's you're right. like, you're not focused on being present and, with and me. And she's, she's obviously kind of in love with him and he's not ready to commit to that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very nineties. Like I mean, it really oh, get was married. I can't get married. Like say, I love you. What? I can't do that. We've been together for two years and they have like, he can't readily say, I love you. It's Come like, on, dude, bro. what are you doing in that relationship? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. But anyway, he's going to his best friend's wedding he's the best man and on their way to the airport when she's dropping him off they also we get to see them a little bit happy at the beginning but the hard part of me liking him and robin together is 90 percent of when we see them they aren't getting along yeah and that's fine like we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more later but they're going to the airport and she brings up that this book that he just wrote that is like about to be published that is going on oprah's book list is like she's kind of jealous of some of the women that he depicts in this book. And we get that it's slightly autobiographical Mm -hmm. and uh, it's about like some of the people he's about to go see. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's this weird Hitchcockian like ticking time bomb that is gifted to us right here. And then he goes to New York, goes to New York, meets up with uh, Harold Perrigny first uh, also you known might as know. Michael in Lost. Or uh, Mercutio in Romeo plus Juliet. Juliet. Um, and I think he's my favorite character. He's so cute. <laughs> he's he's like your, your bro who is always the nerdier one. I would say of the group, he's kind of the Peter Pettigrew or the Neville Longbottom where... Yeah. Like Peter Pettigrew gives him a bad look, but the Neville Longbottom where yeah. he, he obviously isn't as strong of a personality, but he's got heart where it counts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we find out that he is basically on deck to be working at a law firm, but isn't quite there. He needs to pass the bar He's working first. for the inner city. Yeah. So he's, he's doing- He's taking care of inner city kids. Yeah. Nonprofit work with, with at-risk youth. And uh, Tay Diggs is like, we got to be a lawyer, man. You're around kids with guns. And he's like- Mm. Like where does so where does Tay Diggs come get off, off as a writer who like is lucky to be successful? Any writer, even if you're brilliant, you're so lucky to be successful. And where does he come off like judging somebody for doing good work? This is another problem I have with this is problem number two I have with Tay Diggs' character. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a writer. The choice that is made is I am stoic, I am calm, I am wooden. And that is what makes me the logical writer. I like some things about him too. Yeah. But like this, I was like, 
Why are you judging your buddy? Well, I there I don't know. It if feels it's... like an eighties movie. No, I know. He's I... like, go be a lawyer, make some money. Well, you know, to jump ahead a little, we well, let's get through the other friends so we can get to. Yeah. Can we talk so we can talk about the dynamic of what so, you're kind of alluding sure. to? The two of them land at the um, at the news station. They where go to BET. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's BET. Yeah. Yeah. And, I saw the star in the background. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's where they meet up with Jordan, mm-hmm. played by Neil Long. Who is his friend who he almost hooked up with once. Which Harold Perrineau kind of like <laughs> was suspecting uh-huh. and gets it out of Tay Diggs. Right. And um, there, like there's a subplot also of he gave a book to Jordan because she's going to interview him about the book. He's going to give her the exclusive on his book. But she has passed it around to other people and those people have passed it around to other people. And so it's circulating through his friend group right now. And this is making him nervous because he didn't realize... A, he didn't realize how not obscured his semi-autobiographical stuff went. Uh-huh. And second, there are some things that if they figured out other things, then they will figure out a big thing that he does not want right. someone to figure out. Right. I mean, what Ryan is basically circumventing is he slept with someone and there's a hint of that in this book. And it's that's the time bomb we're talking about. Yes. Yes. Um, but the movie doesn't. It, no, it, it doesn't hint at it. Or yeah. it hints at it, but it just it says something's there. And he's nervous and he wants to get that book back, but he doesn't know who has it now. Yeah, so Jordan meets up with them and I, I like this as like kind of like an RPG or like a D and D party. He's collecting where you're like, the party. So adding yeah, it's a very good. so now they've added Jordan. And I like Jordan as just one of the bros. Like she's like, I'm just gonna hang out with the guys. Like, yeah. I like her. She's she's kind of a leader in a weird way yeah. where um she she has the most command presence as the women of the group. Yeah. Yeah. But, but she is a bro. These these everyone here they knew each other in college. That's why they're getting Right. That's why it, the wedding party is the way it is. Exactly. And then they go watch Terrence Howard who is like <laughs> playing this guitar like he's playing a six string guitar, like a classical guitar kind of. Yeah. And he's so charismatic and charming and also like What's another he's what's another word to describe Terrence Howard? I think he's a very unique character. He's very Lothario. Yeah, he's got some Lothario to him too. Um immediately Tay Diggs starts digging on him for like jumping careers, like going from photographer to writer to musician to something else. Yeah. And that's like kind of their relationship seems like a big brother, little brother kind of deal. Yeah, kind of competitive and also yeah. just kind of like uh yeah, just kind of like there's almost a jealousy from Tay Diggs that Quentin can yeah. jump to a different career. Whereas Tay Diggs is so like as Quentin describes him, he's a control freak. Yeah, and it seems and I totally get this. This is what I really too about Tay Diggs about is like he's all about staying focused on the thing and just like getting the a lot one of thing he has done. structure. Yeah. Whereas Quentin is kind of more like a puck. He's like, he's like, I'm here to like shake things up. Yeah. I, I want to call if, if we're making a D and D group, I want to call Quentin the sage. Yeah. 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 Because Tay Diggs really is just jealous of Quentin's like freedom. Yeah. To do, mm-hmm. do whatever he wants. And so they meet up with him and then lo and behold, the man of the hour, the, um, the the chestnut himself <laughs> shows Lance. up. Lance and... shows up, and we get that he's a star football player. He's a running yeah. back for the Giants, the Jets, the Giants. I think he's on the Giants because they they were listening to somebody talk about the Giants earlier. Okay, yeah, yeah. and um, you know, he's there taking pictures with hotties, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, Morris Chestnut, how's it going?" Yeah, and uh, you can tell like that you know since they're all old college friends, it's like you know all the all the BS and like the the 
stardom of him is like cut down and they're all just good friends. Yeah. Right. And Tay Diggs is the best man. Tay Tay Diggs. Diggs. So then they go home to Lance's house. Oh, we also meet Shelby here. Uh, Shelby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Shelby, who is a lot akin to one of my (laughs) ex-girlfriends. She wasn't. She wasn't that bad. I didn't want to bring it up, but you. She wasn't it up. that bad, but still. Yeah, I was. Let's get, say I was getting it flashback. Was very trauma. relatable. There was, was, there was some trauma. Oh, brought I got up some this. trauma watching it. I was like, oh my god. Uh, she's played by uh, Melissa D'Souza, and I, I think she pulls in a really good performance as the controlling, like, you have to do what I say, girlfriend. Because um, what's his name? Merch. Who's um, Harold? Who's Harold Perrineau's? What's his name? His Julian. name's Julian, but they call him Jul- Merch. Yeah. 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 Um, he's dating her, and it's obvious they know her from college, and she is just super controlling and manipulative yes. and like dramatic. Yes. And Highly so- manipulative. And he is, as Chandler Bing would say, whoopa! Whoopa! <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like this instance where everybody else around is annoyed by Shelby. Yeah. And like, there's this moment where they're like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. She's going to drag him away from us. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get too detailed, but that's, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, we're having a good time. And then I have to, the time in the night, there where was somebody I disappear. dated where I was like, I, I'm sorry, guys, I have to go and take go. care of something. Yeah, man. Don't, Hey, people out there, be good to your partners. Like <laughs> this movie must have been so cathartic for you. <laughs> like, yeah. Watching, watching his ending. Well, I mean, that's kind of not in that same way, but like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't meet a stripper and then like be like, yo, let's fall in love. But like finding love after a horrible relationship like that is just yeah. so wonderful. Absolutely. <laughs> so we um we basically get to a card game. At, well, yes. no, we meet Mia first. Uh, yes, we meet Mia. And it's a great sequence because she comes down the stairs and it's it's Lance's giant mansion house, which has got to be in Connecticut, right? Like there's no mansion on Manhattan that's that size you gotta well, go you gotta it, get out of there and it was also weird because it felt modern in that way where as soon as the 90s made this look modern it was like the house where we went into and we're like oh I don't like this anymore yeah. uh, <laughs> it was modern for a second it was and then very it was, very like, trendy tired. trendy yeah. mansion uh, and she comes down the stairs and the camera does the male gaze. And this is why I think people need to shut up about the male gaze. The male gaze is storytelling. It's telling us something about the characters sometimes, in this movie. Sometimes it is. I, I'm going like, to I'm gonna meet you in the middle. No, in, in this, in this, this case, case, that's it is what I mean. It's yeah. always about context. Yeah. Always about context. Sure, sure. You can't just say blanketly. You can't do it. In right. this movie, it was perfect. In this movie, this movie is talking about like what it means to have a conception of your life and how when that's turned on your head like what that does to your ego yeah and mia who's played by monica calhoun comes down the stairs and it's obvious that everybody is super attracted to her like lance it's it's his fiance we haven't even said yeah that. lance is like lance's oh, fiance. My fiance he's like oh yeah that's my girl and then even tay diggs is like ooh. i would say but especially tay diggs is like ooh. and this but moment it, and it's funny because he's also attracted to jordan who we met yeah. earlier in the movie which is just this is this is great storytelling because it's never a it's never a binary thing where it's no, like no. you're only attracted to one person especially when it's different people from your past right 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 it right. kind of stacks especially up. like someone either you've had and this is what we get here. Mia, as we find out later, Tay Diggs has 
uh, a history with, even if it's a very short one. And with Jordan, he has an unconsummated history. Yeah, with. which is almost more dramatic nerve-wracking yeah yeah. there's more tension there really eats at you i mean that's that thing that you see all the time in this genre where it's like like one person in a couple is like it it would be one thing if you had slept with her but it's another thing that you didn't yeah because the question will not yeah that that means that like oh do you want to (laughs) and me who's only really dated sarah and married sarah it's all a question everyone's been a question The whole world a question. <laughs> so uh, can I can I ask you, like we were meant to think that like Mia is like the end all be all hotness, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she she's beautiful for yeah. sure. But like um, I was I was like on the, the Robin Jordan train in this movie. And so when they introduced Mia, I was like, oh, she's nice. But like they dress her up like she is a school marm kind of. And maybe yeah. that's just the 90s talking about her cardigan. Well, but <laughs> no, that's the thing because Lance is kind of like, I'm excited to marry her because our plan is that she's just going to be a housewife and she's going to have kids for me. Yeah. And and all the guys... Which the, is fine. I'm not judging that. But, but his bros are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that what she wants, bro? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. They, they give him proper ribbing for him yeah, just yeah, kind yeah, of assuming really good. like, oh yeah, that's all she wants. She just wants to be uh, a stay-at-home wife for me. I think this is also where we find out that uh, Lance is reading the book. Yes. Like Lance, is, like Lance is the one that's had it. Quentin... Had it at one point, but Quentin doesn't have it now. Lance has it. And Lance seems to be the person that Tay Diggs least wants to have it. Yeah. So, uh, but to answer your question, yeah, between all, all the women in this movie of like... <laughs> the question that I'm asked. <laughs> um, Mia is short and petite, which is like my, my type. But... Uh, Neil Long is also very similar. Like they're both yeah. short, mm-hmm. and so I'm just kind of like, if I had to choose, I'm I'm a Nia guy too. I, I, I don't know. I I can't I can't choose. You can't choose. I, I can't choose. Yeah, I'm a Nia Robin guy, not just because my wife's name is Robin, but there I'm, you go. I just like their personalities more. Yeah, but but I I got it. When she was coming down the stairs, I was right there with her. Okay, that's like, good. That's good. I mean, this is what this is what is true about beauty, isn't it? Yeah. So um, we're the guys all go off and play poker, and there's this like scene. It's this, a wonderful scene. It is. It is. I think it's the. I. I don't love the cinematography in this movie, but I love the cinematography in this scene. Yeah. Where um, they're like going around the table and they're all ribbing each other and they're having like a guy's night and they're playing poker and they're talking about like how Lance has cheated on Mia a bunch of times. Countlessly. Yeah. He is just. He's kind of a dog, but he's like, I'm leaving all that behind. Like I'm getting married and I don't need that anymore. Um. <laughs> And he's like, and the thing is, I know that Mia's never cheated on me. And that's when Quentin comes into his own. And Quentin's like, oh, really? Well, the setup for Quentin is like, Quentin is like busting everyone's balls. Mm -hmm. And Tay Diggs is like, who cares about you, Quentin? You're just a bullshitter. And Quentin is like, I'm the bullshitter. I'm the bullshitter. Really? And you can just tell that he's hurt. And he's vain, and he's like, I'm going to show, I'm going to prove that you're the king of bullshit. I, I almost wouldn't call him, I would call Tay Diggs more vain. Right. Right. But, and and like, yeah, you're right. Quentin is, is the truth teller. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be derided like that. Yeah. He's also chaos. I'm going to prove you wrong. So like, the most thorough way I can prove you wrong. The music in the scene is also kind of like '90s late night porn. Yeah, <laughs> but but besides that, it's really tense. And the more Quentin starts like probing the question about whether Mia's actually been faithful to Lance, he just pushing 
and pushing mm-hmm. and pushing. And then Lance like almost all but flips the flips the table and goes all aggro and grabs Quentin. And it's kind of, it's like, man, Lance, you got a rage issue yeah. there, friend. And like just even mentioning that she might have slept with someone else, I was thinking maybe it was Quentin. Like maybe right, at right. first that like Quentin was like, Are you sure? Yeah. And sure he's being he's being kind of shitty, but like Lance's reaction is like way over the top. Yeah. And it just shows how all these men are really vulnerable. Well, they're very insecure. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. They're not being they're not being vulnerable with each other, but but I mean they, they, they have kind of are. Yeah, they, they they it's like this weird balance of insecurity, masculinity, and closeness. Yeah, that you see a lot more like in the '90s and early 2000s. And I'm not gonna say like all of society has evolved, but as I've grown up, I've seen like a lot of men, especially a lot of younger men, get closer and a little less like. What what is the word I'm looking for? It's not standoffish, but like walled, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's not true across the board. But anyway, in this movie, there's like a lot of walls up, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of pretense, a lot of ego. Yeah, especially they're older and they're in their 30s and they want to project success. And what I they're love- They're all successful. Like they're but, all successful. But that's what I love about <laughs> Harold Perrineau is that he is like the most down to earth in his career. Yeah, very much, yeah. And it's like, I don't relate to this successful football player. I don't relate to this successful novelist who's getting picked up by Oprah. And I don't get relate to this multi-talented, like, savant guy who yeah. can do whatever <laughs> he wants. I relate to Harold, who his job may not be, like, flashy, but it's still important. It's, yeah. it's Well, it's, it's arguably more important. more important than any of their other jobs. Yeah. And I would say that Harold... But we have Quentin and his... His main point is to let the truth come out yeah. and to let people be their most open and honest. Yeah. And I like how he starts in on um, Harold, who plays Merch. Quentin, Terrence Howard, is is trying to get Harold away from uh, Shelby, his girlfriend. He's trying to be like, look, nut up and like stand up for yourself. He's not like, you know, treat your woman bad, but he's... He very starts on him very early being like, you know, respect yourself enough to ask and say, I need this thing. Yeah. And it's it's a very healthy thing to do for a friend. And so I liked seeing that. Definitely. And so, uh, you know, the night continues on. And, you know, I mean, really, the next thing that happens the next day is, uh, you know, Tay Diggs continues hanging out with uh, Mia. Right. Jordan. Jordan. And we keep getting these flashbacks to like. Things that happened in their college days. Yeah. And it got so close between them. It got so close. They like made out. She took off Tay Diggs clothes to say, see Tay Diggs ride her body. (laughs) Those delts. And we're just like. Those traps. Thank you, Jordan. We needed to see that. (laughs) And, um, and we like, it, it all leads up to this, um, like the night before the, um, the wedding, the wedding. And uh, Robin, in the meantime, Tay Diggs' girlfriend, is not coming until the wedding, which is on Sunday. Yeah. So the night before the wedding, um, they're all like, go- they're doing the rehearsal. And and it- Lance is getting closer and closer to he- getting he's to reading the, part the, book. the book. Yeah, he's reading the book. And like, Tay Diggs is like, oh my God, I got to get that book back. <laughs> There's a lot of drunk book reading. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I am very impressed. And the reason this makes sense to me is they do mention uh, a couple of times that even though. Um, in one respect, Lance is a meathead. He's also graduated like magna S- sum laude. Uh, summa cum laude. 
Summa cum laude? Yeah. See, obviously I didn't. <laughs> um, what did you grad? What was your GPA when you graduated? I don't know, like three point. <laughs> Mine was like three point four. I, th- I I didn't I didn't graduate anywhere near getting a summa. I think I was something good. Did you? No, you didn't. Well, you'd remember if you had a tassel. I definitely didn't get a. Th- well, I didn't get three point five. I know that for sure. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I got no tassel. I was so close. <laughs> um, but. Anyway, so like he's reading this book and he's also drinking a lot, but I'm like, no, that makes sense. You, smart. You're, you're, you're a smart dude. So um, then comes the bachelor party. And right before the bachelor party, Nia, Jordan, sorry, G- Jordan um, <laughs> is sorry. There's a there's a guys. There's a lot of people in this movie. But, you know, Tay Diggs does kind of confuse the two, too. Yeah, that's true. Oh. Uh. And everybody also this whole time is trying to figure out who they are in the book. Yeah. Uh, which is another like layer of like awkwardness um, and another set of character names to remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she walks up to him very plainly is like, look, I like you. I want to sleep with you. I'd like to sleep with you tonight after the bachelor party. I, I want to, I, I thought this was a very realistic scene, even though it's something that very rarely happens. Like rarely is somebody that upfront and honest about their needs and desires. Yes. But she earlier in the movie, she's like, I haven't slept with somebody in six months. I'm super horny. Mm-hmm. And Tay Diggs is around and she sees him. Gosh, she sees him in his boxers earlier in the movie. And she's like, he leaves a room and she visits or she like verbally goes, Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do and you think who about can this? Blame her. No, uh, who can blame her? Um, so I think my problem is I'm just not hot enough to relate to this incident happening. Well, no, no. You, can you relate to uh, Jordan, though? To wanting to have sex with Tay Diggs? Yes, I can. Well, to anybody. <laughs> like, I mean, because, like, let's say you're, you've been celibate for a bit mm-hmm. and you see somebody who you've had a huge crush on and the opportunity is there and you're single, like... Could you ever approach somebody in such a, I know this really isn't your personality to approach somebody in a way and say, look, I know that you're dating somebody, but for one night, can you and I be us? What's that Hugh Grant line where it's like, I don't know. I don't have the confidence to just go up to him and say, Hey babe, how about me and you? Like, I, that's, I think that's four weddings of funeral where he's like complaining about being so British where he, he doesn't have the American confidence to just go up to him. So I definitely, I'm coming from that angle of things where I'm very like insecure Hugh Grant, but I don't look even like, look like Hugh Grant. So I can't even have that in my corner. Uh, (laughs) I'm just an insecure, not that attractive (laughs) British man. And and I was really thinking, I'm like, well, when like I'm married now and I've been married for several years. So me in my thirties, like I'm relating to them in one respect of like Mm -hmm. being in your thirties. Cause there's like kind of, not quarter life crisis, but kind of like thirty something crises. Sure, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I was really into that, but I wasn't relating to the romance stuff. But- My imagination works a lot more when it, when I watch a movie like this, where I try to place myself in their position, where I'm like, if I were single right now, could I accomplish X? Yeah, and I was thinking about that. I was yeah. like, okay, Ryan, empathize, empathize, yeah, empathize, yeah, do it. <laughs> and I was thinking about in college, and right before Sarah and I started dating, which was the first year after college, and me pursuing women and like having having a scene like this with any of the women that I was kind of pursuing mm-hmm. and it just because I hadn't slept with anyone before there was never that aspect to I'm talking pursuing. about now though 
now? No, I'm married. That's no, why no, I can't no, 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 be- no. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying imagine. We're, we're using our imagination. I know, I know, I know. I'm trying to go back to a place where I would be in that headspace. No, no, it's not about it's not about being in that headspace. Uh-huh. It's about saying, okay, let's throw away my life right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And I am single. Like, let's say, heaven forbid. Let's say Sarah was whisked off to another dimension, and you're never going to see her again. <laughs> it's, it's I didn't want to. I didn't want to no, kill it, Sarah. It's the thing in How I Met Your Mother, where it's like she dies of a a gentle disease of like you know these kittens would like <laughs> stomped right. her to death or something. <laughs> yeah, and it was pleasant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, let's say now you're in this position with somebody that you know you have chemistry with. You know they are attracted to you. Well, I, I as a viewer, whether or not I'm coming at it from an empathetic point of view, I still say you got your girlfriend. Right. Okay. I'm talking about you being Jordan right now. Oh, I I definitely see where Jordan's coming from. That's what I'm talking but, about. I'm but talking about Jordan. Not, Jordan Jordan not Jordan knows better because she knows full well that he's. Got I don't this think Jordan girlfriend. cares. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't. So and so, it's not a completely sympathetic move on her part. No, it's definitely not. I, I'm and I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, let's say he didn't have a girlfriend. Then yeah, still absolutely. could you approach? Could you approach so directly? Um, is what I'm asking. If I in a different life, I might be able to to like do it. Okay, I think I could now. I think I could really be upfront with somebody about like my desires toward them, but it wasn't probably until I was like 27 would I have the confidence. Oh, okay. To so do it. I I will say the ironic thing about dating Sarah and then marrying Sarah is that my confidence in myself, just as being myself, skyrocketed well, that's, because of that's being not ironic. With her. That's what happens when you in a date good, somebody and they love you and you have a healthy relationship. And, and it's like I was so not confident in myself in college, sure. and it, had I had the confidence I have now, I think I would have been. A dated lot a happier. couple more people, <laughs> but but so what happens here is to move away from our personal feelings about it. Tay Diggs is propositioned basically by Jordan, um, and he's like, "Yeah, I think so." Right, and she's like, "Don't don't say yes and not come." Yeah, mm. don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they all go to the bachelor party and. This is the first moment where um, this is the where Harold steps wait, away. With this part of the movie, I had to pause it, and Sarah was, as always, watching from the corner of her eye while I was watching on the headphones, and she gave me that look. I'm like, don't judge me, because <laughs> she just saw the strippers come in. She's like, what are you watching? I'm like, it's the best man. I'm it's watching rom-com. the strippers. Get out. <laughs> but I, I literally had to be like, I have to close the curtains now, because <laughs> cool children walk by the street every day. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, uh, well, hold on. Harold Harold does tell off. He doesn't tell off Shelby, but he walks away from Shelby, which is a big he first step. He has a good first step. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they get to this party where not I want to say I don't think they're just strippers. They could be, but There was I, a gentleman with them. There was a gentleman who very much dressed like a a pimp. Yeah. And uh he brought them in and they did their stripper thing. But um it was very studio comedy stripper though. It wasn't he, he, I mean, there was a cane, there was a feather and a cap, there was a velour suit. It wasn't velour, but it was it was a suit. But it barely got R-rated. Yeah, and but at one point in time, he does raise his hand and say, shut up to somebody. And it's like, yeah, it's, it, it, uh, feels, it feels rather that like 1980s, early 90s yeah, pimp look. Yeah, a little gross. Uh, but um, basically, the strippers come upstairs. Uh, Tay Diggs is getting super drunk after he finally steals the book back from Lance. Number four on my list of Tay Diggs wrongs. Tay Diggs, yeah. take that book 
throw it out the window. That's all you got to do. Mm. Why are you trying to keep this book? Flush it down the toilet, tear it page by page, go into the bathroom, be like, no, sorry, sorry, I just ate something bad. I'll be in here for a minute. That's a good point. He did. A, he basically takes the book and he puts it in his in his jacket. And of course, when he's getting rubbed up on by ladies, by day strippers, <laughs> Lance finds the book and he's like, he again. Lance makes a pretty like significant like leap in logic to say he's trying to hide this book from me rather than just picking up his book as if he was maybe looking at it at one point in time. Well, why would he be looking at his own book? He wrote it. He doesn't need to look at it. Maybe I don't know. I as okay as a writer, aren't you always obsessed with looking at your own stuff? After it's published, though, have you published anything? No. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> no, me neither. Well, I I have, but it's all like newspaper stuff. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Um, but the the um, and before this, Tay Diggs also almost confesses. Yeah. That as we understand at this point in time, he has slept at one point in time, like. Uh, Mia found out that uh, Lance cheated on her, and then to comfort her, Tadig slept with her. Mm-hmm. He doesn't reveal it completely in the book. No, he just hints at it. He thinks he does a really good job of covering it up, yeah. but he does not. Yeah, and so uh, at that point in time in the party, Harold's <laughs> uh, uh, uh falls in love with a stripper. And what does he say? He's like. Do you love me? Yeah, do you love me? And she's like, yeah, baby. Does yeah. the stripper thing. But then he follows her downstairs. Oh, and, they... and may we say the stripper is played by Regina Hall. Yeah, which is crazy. Uh, who just directed One Night in Miami, which is this like uh, awards season darling. And mm-hmm. it's like she gets, it's just such a. It's, it's so cool to see somebody go from like actor to director. But it, it, it totally points out like the absurd double standard of like, well, you know, my first role was stripper in Malcolm D. Lee's uh-huh. movie. And now I'm respected director, you know, making this movie. We, we should also point out, I guess, since you brought him up, that Malcolm Lee is Spike Lee's cousin. Yeah. 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 And I forgot when the f- titles came up and it was 40 Acres and Mule Productions. Like, yep. oh, oh, yeah. Spike Lee also produced this. This is yeah. going to be a not bad movie. This will be right. something worth looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And um. So basically, he just to go on Harold's like little side quest right now in our D and D campaign. Yeah. He chases um, Candy, her name, uh, Regina Hall's character, out, and he like has a conversation with her, and he's like, "Hey, I thought we had a connection." And she's like, "I'm a stripper. I'm meant to like make you have one." And then he quotes some literature at her, and she like knows the quote, and they're like, "Maybe there's something here." But in the meantime, upstairs, Lance has figured out what. Tay Diggs did it back in college and beats the shit out of beats him. the absolute shit out of him. And I want to say there's this moment where like he jumps over a table like linebacker style, yeah. even though I think he's a running back. And I was terrified of Lance. Yeah, Lance. It's a Morris good, chestnut is terrifying. It's a good scary thing because it's like if you look at any football player, like it's like, what do you do if they're the ones causing problems? If they're going to like start Nothing. a fight, you don't do anything. How do you combat that? Well, this is the other thing. Like the only reason I feel like Tay Diggs even stands a chance against him is because we've seen him naked. <laughs> yeah, we know. We, <laughs> we know, know he has th- some muscles. We know he's that he can lean. take a hit. He's lean. Well, he's fit. He's super. Yeah. He he's got a rig on him. I guess. But, we could. but he is not a heavyweight. Like it's a heavyweight versus a middleweight. It's he is not going to be able to hold his own like one on one. Yeah, he's a middleweight rig, whereas. Lance is a giant. Yeah. <laughs> He's a giant of a man. Yeah. And he basically almost kills him. And Quentin at this point in time steps in mm-hmm. because he also saw he's 
he saw and got disappointed in Tay Diggs. And there was this disappointed look when he saw Tay Diggs hiding the book where I was like, oh, man, I hate for Quentin to get disappointed because Quentin has kind of the least ego. And that means if Quentin's disappointed in you, Mm -hmm. you'd done something. Oh, yeah. I would hate that. Yeah. Oh, so um, at that point in time, like he beats the crap out of him and the wedding's off. And then we jump to the airport, right? Yeah. And so he picks up. His girlfriend picks up, picks up Robin. Yeah. And basically can't hide what happened and tells her everything. He's caught her up and also confesses to. Well, almost. Yeah. Because he, he shows up later that night um, after he gets beat up at Jordan's house where she's wearing the sexiest thing. It hot damn. Hot damn. She's wearing the sexiest outfit ever. And he shows up and he's beat up and he gets mad at her. and She gets mad at him. and They don't sleep together. Yeah, basically, it's a very sitcom like thing for, for to happen. Yeah, very much so. And uh, so he shows up and he confesses, and then Robin's walking away from him, ready to leave after they've like talked everything over. And he's like, "I need you." And it's that moment in a movie where a character who has been standoffish reaches out and says, "I'm willing to be uh, to show my insecurities to you." basically mm-hmm. he's he's like i can't i can't find lance and fix this whole situation without you yeah so she's like okay for now i'll stay with you yeah and it's very conditional temporary yeah, she's yeah, like, i'm not to... gonna be a dick I'll, i will help you and so uh they go to the wedding they can't find lance and uh tay diggs looks really tired <laughs> and and then finally lance shows up and well tay diggs figures out like Lance is like, I just came to tell my parents that the wedding's off. And they're all like, no, we have to fix this. And Tate is like, what do we do? What do we do? <gasps> Lance, pray. And Lance is like. <sighs> yeah, because there's this whole subplot where uh, Lance is super religious and Tate Diggs is not. And but he still like will. I think uh, what's the word? He'll he humors humors, he humors is the it. word. Thank you. So he gets him into um like the priest's office and which is where all of these scenes happen in any of these movies. Like yeah. if Hugh Grant's having a hard time yeah. with getting married, they're in like the priest's office. Yeah. Uh, and so Tay Diggs and Lance, they work it out and it's really yeah. good of, of it's like, a good friendship thing. Tay Diggs like saying it and like confessing and Lance really is working hard to like forget it aside. He's like, oh. And so they get him to the altar. Well, he does pray. Yeah, and I one I really like one of the flashbacks to when like he screwed up and he's like talking to Tay Diggs like what mm-hmm. do I do, and one of his lines is, "Lord forgive my wayward dick." Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and I mean, Lance is kind of a conundrum of a character, which makes him human, right? Yes, because he's super religious, but he's so promiscuous. Like yeah. at one point in time, we get the story about him having sex with two sets of twins at the same time, and. Like while he's, I don't think he's dating anybody at that point, but like, you got to imagine that that continues while he's dating Mia, but he's also super religious and is like, he's, he's one of those religious people who's like, continues to sin the same sins. And then it's just like, forgive me. I know that this is my wrong. It's a very Catholic thing to be. Yeah. He's kind of, he's like, you know, as I'm long not saying as, Catholics are people who are just like Lance, but no, it's a, no it's but a, it's a very medieval thing where he's like, as long as I do my contrition, right. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Tay Diggs basically confesses. There's this confessional scene in a church where, like, you know, he confesses what's wrong and he gets down on his knees and asks for forgiveness from his friend. And Lance says the most truthful things like, I, I need to forgive you, but that doesn't mean I-, I have to like you. Right. But 
then um, he gets him to the to the altar, and this is like a very intense scene where Lance is crying. He's like crying during the wedding, and uh, Mia, his fiance at the time, is like taking those tears as oh you're getting emotional about the wedding and they're saying their vows to each other but we keep doing these flashbacks where during his wedding vows lance is flashing back to his imagination of how great the sex must have been between tay diggs and mia yeah it's intense it's brilliant filmmaking because it's using pure cinema to show us what's going on in his mind mm-hmm. and it's showing us a very complicated emotional palette that there's a lot going on at one time because he's working so hard because he's he knows that he needs to marry her he knows that she's the best person for he's working through forgiving lance but he's also working through forgiving mia and and he doesn't even need to he knows that he doesn't need to forgive her he knows that she's kind of within her rights he's working to set aside his need to forgive her yeah and and the having this flashback while He's hearing her vows and while he's repeating his vows. And he's hearing her like moan. Yeah. And it's during this very holy ceremony where he's literally being bonded to this woman for life. And it's this, um, like I said, ceremonial moment where he is letting go of this right terrible feeling that's in his heart it felt more like a purge yeah purge yeah yeah yeah. but it's a religious purge right it felt like like if you were in an ayahuasca kind of church and you were purging (laughs) like at the same time as a catholic religious wedding yeah at this like and it's, it's a very odd mix of emotions that ends up working really well yeah and the only time that forgiveness does come is um, a couple minutes later during the... Oh, hold on. I don't want to leave Harold behind. Harold breaks up with Shelby on the steps, and he's like, that's right. I'm going to go to the wedding with this awesome stripper named <laughs> yeah. Candy. And, and it's and just we're, we're so all like, like yeah! yes! And Quentin's over there like, yeah! <laughs> One of my favorite scenes earlier is where Quentin is like like telegraphing in the background that Harold <laughs> should grow some balls, and he's just like grabbing his pants the whole time. Anyway, so they I get... knew that you were going to like this scene. I'm like, Kelly would be chuckling at oh, this scene. Oh, it's so funny. Um, so then Tay Diggs is Tay Diggs' best man speech is really what does it. Yeah. It's what pushes Lance over the edge of actually forgiving him. Yeah, it seals the deal. Mia gave me too much credit for this union. I have learned from them what it means to be truly committed to another person. I have learned the importance of seizing the moment because you can't go back. You can never go back. You have to live for today, not for what was or what could have been. And what will be, no one can say. But sometimes you just have to step out on faith. That admission is what brings Lance over to the yeah. the side of forgiveness. So then, you know, he has his denouement conversation with Neil Long, and it's very nice. And then he dances with Robin. Robin. And then he's like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm in the moment. And then he proposes. Right after she says, we need to talk about a lot of stuff, which... Dude, 
That's not the right time. <laughs> I'm then, glad it worked out for but you. The but the movie is just kind of like, ah, and I think we're all like, no, really? no, 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 this, no, 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 it's much you guys have a, you guys have a lot to get through right now. Yeah. And it's kind of like when Chandler and friends does his first proposal to Monica where right. it's like, no, 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 right. no. And, but, but friends knows enough not to give that to him. And it's not until later when she proposes that it actually works. And that's the correct time for them correct. to get engaged. Yeah. And so it's like, what I got from the movie is like, okay, Tay Diggs is ready to be in a full relationship. Relationship. Yeah, yeah. Not now, to be married. But we don't even married right now. No, He's not ready for that. He's not. No, not even close. And th- like the funny thing about Tay Diggs' character is like, he's like, oh, I don't want to get married. I can't handle commitment, which is such a 90s cliche. Blah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And especially for a writer who committed to writing a book. Like, yeah. You, you can fucking commit, you asshole. Um, so I kind of say that's kind of a dumb like it's it's a trope of the 90s for sure yeah um but then they my, my fa- one of my favorite parts of the movie they all do the electric slide yeah too and let me say line dancing is something that i do not enjoy very much in a country <laughs> standpoint but yeah. as soon as you bring it into like the the hip-hop genre i'm like yeah. i'm here for it yeah i love it and so it's a it's a fun ending and the uncle's dancing and jordan and him are fine and Apparent- uh, oh and yeah. also don't get engaged at another person's wedding no you're stealing the spotlight don't <laughs> do it on, tay diggs. no oh, wait can i do this tay diggs tay diggs and then, like, we have a fun afterward where, like, <laughs> earlier in the wedding, uh, Terrence Howard, like, slowly slips the uh, garter onto uh, Shelby's legs because she's the one who, like, caught the... Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. And, and they end up sleeping together, which is, like, you could see, see coming from a mile away, but I still like that it happened. I, I want to say, uh, I, I've i seen the garter ceremony being phased out. It is, yeah, for sure. But... I th- what's funny to me is every wedding I've been to where they do the garter ceremony, that couple has gotten a, a divorce. Every wedding that they have not done a garter ceremony, they are still married. That's so true. It's true for me too. That, I didn't realize it until right now. Audience, think about the weddings. The last time I went to a wedding where they did a garter ceremony was 2016. Uh-huh. They got divorced two years later. It's weird. It's awkward. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's fine without it. Um, you can shoot the garter, but don't shoot it. You don't but... you, sh- shoot it. Just don't put it back on. Don't someone. kaboot it. Don't kaboot it. Shoot it. Not kaboot it. Uh, speaking of kabooting, let's take a k- break, and when we come back, we're going to do some I would k- talk. I k- love that. <laughs> and we are back once again with trope talk. It's like lobe talk, but with less cartilage. Did you say lobe talk? Yeah, like your earlobe. Your earlobe, you know, less cartilage, like your ear- earlobe. Just rhyme a B with P? Yeah, it, it totally works. It totally works. Does it work? Can it work? Oh, oh, my my earlobes. My yeah. earlobes say yes. Ah! I'm going to call them earlobes from now on. Earlobes. So, What's our trope today? It, I don't know how to trop, make it tropical. You don't know how to, <laughs> to trop it? Um, trop it? I listen to psychotropic music. Um, there's this thing about all of the main characters mm-hmm. that at first you think Tay Diggs is like the moral center of this movie, mm-hmm. but the movie slowly is like, no, no, there is no character who represents the moral center. Correct. They're all kind of trying their best kind of, kind of to pursue it. 
but they're also very flawed humans. Yes. So I kind of just wanted to pitch a tent and camp out. In <laughs> wait, I'm, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I just wanted to kind of. You're in that mo- that that tent with James Bond right now. <laughs> yeah, I want to figure out what this movie's doing with its morality because I think it's intentionally complicated. Yeah, I think um, what we have here is characters who all have conflicts that they've made for themselves. Yes. And um, in a movie, when you're crafting characters, uh, they they always say that um, coincidence should get you into trouble, not out of it. Mm-hmm. In a similar way, I think conflict is something you should get your 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 characters should get themselves into. It's not something that other people should put them into. Right. And what makes these characters complicated is that all of the choices that they have made in their lives are what are affecting them negatively right now. Yeah. They've also affected them positively, which makes them well-rounded. Yeah. Um, but like if if we just take each of the characters individually, Tay Diggs is obvious. He's written this book. And it's a book that was going to get published no matter what. And it's a book that exposes his dirty secrets to his friends. And so there's something in him that wants to be found out, but he's denying that. He seems to behave in a way of like, oh, I'm just the observer of my friends doing bad things. It's a very pretentious way to live. Yeah. And we, it's like, all, all writers have thought of themselves at that point, but they grew out of it. Tay Diggs hasn't yet. The the writer thinks that they're just the observer of the human condition and not the person who is participating in the human condition. Yeah, when really that's, uh, he's full of shit. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, you know, Ernest Hemingway, say what you will about him, but I think he figured out, he's like, no, I've done some shit. <laughs> yeah, early and often he was like, I've lived. Yeah. Yeah, and not always well. Yeah. Um. Granted, you know, he also shot himself. So, you know. Sorry. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you have Lance who is admitted. He's very much an admitted cheater and yeah. he feels bad about that. But he also is kind of a uh, conundrum. He's a paradox. He's he's someone who knows that he's bad, but still acts against his instincts. And then at the same time, he has obvious rage issues. And a huge, I think the biggest out of all of them, maybe the biggest insecurity, because yeah. as soon as he thinks that he's not good enough to be loved perfectly, then what's the point of being him? Yeah. And he, he relishes the, the, the con- attention, but the contradiction of being able to be the way that he is, but demands that other people be perfect right. and that he's allowed to be a total screw up. But if he's going to be with someone, he expects them to be angels. Correct. And then we have um, Merch, who is uh, Harold. Yeah. Harold. And he's just, he's the most sympathetic one because his, you know, his sins are just kind of like, oh. Well, they're, they're <laughs> sins that don't. They, the only way they affect others is they take him away from people. Yeah. And everybody else is subjected to Shelby's personality, He makes I guess. himself a sacrificial lamb. Right. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, his sins are sins that I am duly familiar with, where you are trying to be good to someone who is horrible for you. Yeah. Um, and that's not good for either party. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's something. And I think that's part of the thing. If you're not strong enough to realize that you are horrible for someone and they are horrible for you, yeah. then you're also partially to blame. Yeah. But there's something about him that really wants to succeed. Because, mm-hmm. like, no, if there's just somehow I can get through to her. Right. If somehow I can be good enough that she will respond in kind. And she will be finally able to trust me to go out with the guys. Right. Exactly. If, if, I'm, if I'm so good to her that she allows me 
off my leash a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but his destruction, he doesn't hurt others in his activity. He really only hurts himself. Which makes him the best of them. Whereas, let's take our last one, Quentin. I mean, because we can talk about the other women in this, but they they are secondary to the men in this film. Yeah. Um, Quentin is an agent of chaos and someone who wants the truth to come out no matter what. And I think he's so tired of being made fun of and judged that he is like, okay, let's pass this judgment onto everybody else because you're not perfect either. Yeah, and one of his flaws is that he's painfully transparent and like he wants to, you know, he's more of an an artist than Tay Diggs because he's like, I'm being, you know, completely upfront with you on how I see things. And like he is like his behavior is straight up misogynist. Like he calls all women bitches. He just doesn't respect them. He mm-hmm. just sleeps around and and yet he thinks it's a badge of honor because he's just being transparent with them. He's well, not it, trying to cover anything up. And it's odd though, because I would say that his what this movie is saying is his his level of misogyny is verbal and I would almost say performative. Yeah. Whereas he, he, in his honesty, he's almost more respectful than Tay Diggs is in his holier-than-thou attitude about his respect. Right, and that's it's where, odd. Isn't that's it? the badge of honor thing, where he's like, because like uh, Harold Perrineau like kind of calls him out. It's like, hey, can we stop the cursing? And yeah. mm-hmm. he just like Lance, uh, not Lance, but Quentin's like, what? Just like. I'm going to just say what I say. Like, yeah. why is, why does it matter? Yeah. And like, there's a laissez-faire attitude toward morals that he has that is both cool, but it's also disrespectful at the same time. But he earns a smidge of that respect back since he is being honest. And I think as humans, we, we respect people who are honest because it's so hard for us. Like, like not honest, but openly like truth telling, yeah. like unabashedly truth telling because it's so hard for us to do that in real life. Yeah. And like, there's a difference between Quentin and Lance. Cause like Quentin sleeps around, Lance sleeps around. The difference though is Quentin's, Quentin's upfront about it. He's totally truthful. Yeah. And it's not like he's trying to like have his cake and eat it too, where he's trying to like maintain a serious relationship. So, so. Let's, let's put all those guys in a box right now. Mm-hmm. And we have Mia, who's only ever cheated that we know about on Lance once, and it was with Tay Diggs, mm-hmm. right? And all that did for her was make her feel okay with going back to Lance. Yeah. And so really, it was a good thing for their relationship in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jordan is like very controlling, but also upfront about that. She's also very honest and is, I would say... Equal to or greater than Tay Diggs, even though they're so similar. They keep calling themselves peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Her her flaw is just that she has no moral conundrum with sleeping with Tay Diggs when he's dating somebody. Right. But that's, I would say that's more on Tay Diggs than her. It's still a selfish thing on her. It, and it's selfish for sure. But I think she's not the one actively hurting someone. She's just okay being a byproduct. I'm not saying it's morally good in any respect. Yeah. But like... But if there's any anything that's trope here, mm-hmm. I think this is the most tropey thing where there's some kind of uh, infidelity at play. Everyone's a victim and everyone... Well, no. no. Everyone's a victim. What? And well, they victimize themselves in a way. So I think I am. I think I do. 
to leave. I'd that. say Jordan doesn't. Jordan isn't a victim of anything. She, if she slept, I don't with, think she got anything out of. Well, <laughs> especially no, if, since if, it was foiled. If they did, yeah, since it was foiled, yeah. But her actions aren't victimizing herself. Yeah, but if they did sleep together, sure. You know what is what is her end game? Is it just to have one night and then be done with him? She's hoping she gets to change his mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that's devious. It's devious. But but it's also honest. Sure. I mean in and respect devious. if, if <laughs> it's, it is devious and honest which is not too unlike Quentin cuz Quentin yeah. sometimes he's truth telling but sometimes he's just like stoking a fire. Yeah. And you're right. So this movie has a bunch of these complicated characters who are all put into a situation where if there was no book it would be fine. But since there is a book, it's it's kerosene yeah. to everything, which yeah. is it, it's they're really, all fire. And basically the book is just, just a can of gas. Uh, yeah. And I, I really respect the movie in this respect that in other Hollywood rom-coms, you have a character who is the moral center and they resist temptation or they are tempted, but then they redeem themselves mm-hmm. and you know, like love actually is really a spectrum of characters who are good. Like you have the worst characters being Alan Rickman. Sorry, Alan Rickman. And then you have right, but even Alan Rickman is still sympathetic. He's still sympathetic in a way because we don't know that he actually does sleep with her. We just know that like he wants to and he's thinking about it. Yeah. So like they don't even go the full mile with him. But it's enough. It's enough to make him like the. It's it, enough to hurt Emma Thompson, which is. A sin that you none don't of us want hurt on our Emma Thompson. No, no, not at all. But as opposed to Colin Firth, which I know people, his brother is the one who's the worst in this movie, and people are like, "Oh, he's just taking advantage of this woman who works for him." It's like I, uh, I hear well, I, you. I, but, I hear you, but like at the same time, she's there for it in this movie's writing. But in in a movie like Love Actually, we wouldn't suspect Colin Firth of doing no, something because he's Colin Firth. I, exactly. Yeah. This movie's not playing by those rules. It's no. a different rule book. It is. And um, it's realistic in a respect, but I think this is about the time where I get to ask you whether you liked the movie or not. I very much liked the movie. Very good. Uh, I I was watching the first 10 minutes and was like, ooh, Kelly's going to have quibbles because the, the acting's kind of stiff and mm-hmm. the editing's kind of stiff and it's mm-hmm. it's like still getting into the groove. And it's both you and Sarah have the same kind of thing where... Like Sarah was watching, I remember distinctly, we were watching the first episode of The Mandalorian and like the first scene was going and Sarah was always like, something's off. It feels, feels kind of, feels kind of stiff. I'm like, give it a chance. Like, let's, let's just kind of wait it out, see how things go. And that's what this movie was for me, where it's like the first 10 minutes, the acting's not totally up to par. But when we get to that card scene, then the movie like really earned my respect is like okay sure this is a i great thought movie. the card scene was a standout scene yeah for sure i liked the movie i'm not gonna say a lot mm-hmm. because i you're right i did have quibbles but i think i can i say i really like tay diggs mm-hmm. i don't really like him in this movie i don't think you're supposed to I, well I no, think... no 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 i'm not saying i yeah his character is like a little morally reprehensible at times yeah that's not what i'm saying i think he's miscast Okay. I would have rather had somebody like uh, Chidi from The Good Place play him where he is actually more bookish because I think the way that Tay Diggs is playing this character is so Robin Robin put it best. She was saying that he he's not like 
a wood that has a slow burning ember in it where it's like, okay, yes, he's more introverted and he has a lot of fire and a lot of wit underneath, but he keeps it tempered. It's more like he's a wet log. <laughs> and yeah. that's that's kind of how I felt about him most of the movie where I think Tay Diggs is a really good actor. But in this movie, I feel like he's not playing his character fully. No, I, I disagree. I think it would have been weird to see it be played by Cheaty. Sorry, guy who plays Cheaty. We love you. <laughs> I don't need Cheaty, but I'm saying t- there's somebody better than Tay Diggs. I there. think Tay Diggs personality, his persona, I bought everything that developed and i feel like throughout the movie i was really starting to see him as quentin sees him of like look you're cool i'm your friend but you're just as you know reprehensible as all of us like you're you're judging everyone here and like i i kind of saw the light that quentin saw him in no i saw that no i i did see that too i'm not saying he didn't accomplish it i'm saying it could have been done better yeah i and that's fine if you liked it that's great yeah I'm, i'm trying to think like putting myself in the director's shoes how if like if i got that note from a producer of like tay Diggs needs to be better i'd be like uh, i don't know what else to do well needs to be better is rough <laughs> but um well i guess i guess push i'll push back on you in the sense of what needs to be better like give me a more specific note what is there a scene where you're like it should have played like this then it would no, have been better for, for me it was a lot of his reactions to things uh i think he didn't make a strong choice into what his character needed or wanted um a lot of like even like the the moments i liked him most was when he was like worried about his book yeah that was when we got as many emotions as out of him as we could yeah but even when he was thinking like somebody was hot or something or when he was like you know broken up about something his his emotional life that lived on his face was it was there, but it again, like wet log, it, it felt very wooden in a way that I feel like another actor might have brought a little bit more life to this character. I think the thing we both agree on is the wedding scene where he proposes. Something really feels off about that, where we know that he's ready for something real. That's story, though. Like that's yeah. where it doesn't make sense story. But I think at I think least, his performance is fine. I, I think there. we can at least meet there if is saying like something's not coming together in the third act with his arc because we don't believe this proposal. If he was more emotional in that moment, if he was giving me a little bit more desperation, a little bit more like, look, this is real. I, I need to convince you this is real, but he, I really wasn't convinced by his performance that he actually felt that way. And not even, not even contextually that he didn't feel that way. And he was just trying to convince her that he felt that way. I didn't even get that. Cause he leapfrogs a development because he goes from not even being able to say, I love you on the phone to proposing to her. It's like, no, you just needed to have like a love confession to her. And that's, that's when we, we would have been like, that yeah. would have been much better. Yeah, for sure. Um, we fixed it. Wait, the, the only other thing I wanted out of this movie um, was so Quentin Quentin I think is one of my favorite characters in this film he I feel like if can we rewrite the movie just a smidge you write your first draft with your heart and you rewrite with your head I think what you could have done with Quentin's character is he's a truth teller right he's trying to expose everybody Mm -hmm. and he's tired of being judged yeah that's great i love that 
I think the way you this is already a long movie. It's like an hour or two hours and twelve minutes or something. Yeah. But you could have taken it a step further. He is a character psychologically who is not only tired of being judged, but is wanting to succeed at something. He just doesn't know what that is. He keeps like learning bunches of, of things and he's a jack of all trades and he, he seems comfortable with that. Right. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if he called everybody out and he was like, um, you know, you're doing this and you're doing this, you're doing this. Mm-hmm. He does that all movie. But the like maybe have Harrison or Harold. Maybe have Harold. Maybe have Harrison Ford come in for a scene. <laughs> Maybe have Harold, like, follow him out after he's called out everybody and be like, "Are you all right?" And he's like, "This there was this one thing that I was really wanting. Like, it's something he's been working for for years, and he failed at it. Mm. And the humanity that we got from that is that the reason why he's being so poke the bear of everybody is because he's failed and he doesn't want everybody to know it. Yeah." And because he can't stand one more piece of judgment from them. And yeah. through confessing that he, uh, he can like get a reprieve from that judgment where they all realize through his vulnerability that they are way too harsh on their friend who's just trying to find his way in the world. Yeah. it A lot of his development comes indirectly and I like that, but it was missing that some of that more like on upfront stuff. Yeah. I, I will say we Robin and I talked about this after the movie. She didn't need it. And I think this his character works without it because he's just kind of a funny yeah. guy. But if I was going to add something to this movie, I would add that. That's what's good about these movies when it gets to this level where it's like, well, it's good and it's got flaws, but the flaws are different for each viewer. So they're, that's where it kind of gets into a place where everyone should check it out. Yeah, I would, you might have, I would recommend this film. Because you might have different mileage with it. And mm-hmm. some people might think it's flawless. Other people might have a lot of problems with it. But instead of a movie like Valentine's Day where it's like, <laughs> we all agree what the flaws are. Yeah, like, uh-huh. there's no two ways about it. This yeah, is yeah, just yeah. bad. Well, Ryan, um, since this movie wasn't super bad. Well, because that, that movie starts Jonah Hill and yeah, Michael you, Sarah. You, yeah, it's, it's not a different movie. film. No. Um, would you give this one a rom-com Yes, I would. <laughs> uh, I'm. Uh, can I give it best characters? I'm gonna give well, it like best just characters. best characters. Yeah, just because. Can you give it like most complicated characters? Or, yeah, like something to the effect where I respect the movie having such. Like the the real thing is best well drawn characters that have complicated emotions and feelings and are contradictory like most human beings are. That's my Oscar. All I don't right, know if it like fit that. on it. No, no, I like it. This this movie was definitely about humans and I liked that. Really well drawn characters. And I also want to say, I don't know how to give an Oscar for this, but this is one of the most and I mean this sincerely, one of the most Christian films that we have on our podcast so far. Because what Lance goes through throughout this movie is the sinner's journey. <laughs> he is facing the consequences of his own selfish deeds and his coming to need to forgive himself and to ask for forgiveness for the things that he's done wrong and to forgive others. And he does it through his faith. And I really respect this movie for being so outrageously R-rated and it makes stupid Kirk Cameron movies look so dumb because it's this movie is so real about humanity, whereas those Kirk Cameron movies is so cookie-cutter, candy-coated about human behavior that none of it's believable, and this is 100,000% believable. 
Okay. I'm going to push back a little bit on, on that because I, I agree with half of what you're saying, but this isn't what Kirk Cameron is doing is a faith movie. Mm-hmm. This movie just has a character who has faith in something. Yeah. You can, you can have that all over the place in a bunch of films. I'm that saying, doesn't make it a I'm Christian I'm saying film. as a Christian, I responded to this movie the way that those Kirk Cameron movies are wanting me to respond. Cool. Well, what's your Oscar? I really don't know. Because definitely not best music. No. I don't want to give it something like best muscles. That seems trite. It had a lot of good muscles. We had uh, a fight scene in Bridget Jones's diary. I like this fight scene 100% more. Yeah, I think I do too. I mean, it's a more realistic fight scene. I think I had more fun in the other one. But this one felt, I I felt very um, scared when it was happening. And you don't often find that. Like you you sometimes get it in something like Brokeback Mountain that we've seen before. But I I really think I'm going to give this best fight. Best fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. Um, Yeah, it was just really good. But hopefully you won't fight with this next person. Who would you fall in love with? Mm. Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends. The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, I love, I love you. I know. It's so hard because they're all such complicated people. It's true. It's gonna be you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of good with a lot of bad. So how do you how do you pick? Can I ask who if you out of Robin or Jordan, who do you think the Tay Diggs should have gotten with? I was hoping that he ended up with Jordan and took the opportunity to realize that he really didn't care about Robin. Because we too. don't I don't we don't really get how crazy he is about her and it's just kind of like it's almost out of convenience he's making a uh, like a quote-unquote responsible choice yeah and i really think he faced didn't face the music of like his truth he was like afraid that oh yeah i like this person who they keep saying that she's a career woman and Mm -hmm. there's mention made of the fact that like tay diggs you know is intimidated by that even though, like, at one point in time, he defends Mia as, you know, maybe Mia wants to have a life or right. something. But uh, it, he seems intimidated by Jordan for some reason. I don't know why. They seem so perfect for each other. Yeah. And it would have been weird if he tanked his relationship with Robin by sleeping with Jordan and cheating on her. So I'm glad they didn't go that route. I would have understood it if it was Harold Perino who just slept with Candy and just had, like, a drunken night with her because that would make sense because it would be the last because his relationship is horrible it would be this desperate act and that's the only thing he could possibly wield to get out of it and has no power otherwise to do it but they went a different direction like and i like that so actually i love him so i'm going with harold perino (laughs) okay very good i love that he's pretty good in this movie um i think i'm going with jordan Mm -hmm. because as morally reprehensible as she is she's super foxy and I like how openly honest she is yeah. with what she wants. Like, it's super attractive. Even if maybe I wouldn't fall in love with her for a, a long time, maybe we'd hit it off. But I don't it's know. a sexy thing to just be super upfront and yeah. super transparent. 
Yeah, because I like your choice, but I think I'm going with Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good choice. I'm Robin, I love you too. This is why I'm not going with the other Robin, because yeah. I like you most out of all the Robins. The real Robin in real life. Well, I think we have some letters. To, Ryan? I think we got some letters. Maybe some letters. Hey, Flo. Huh? Mail come. Got mail for you. Oh, Pete, you've got mail. You sent me a letter. You've got mail. The first letter was from Bert Branson, um, who... Bert! Worked with me on Stranger Things. Um, Bert said, Dear sirs, just listened to your Moulin Rouge podcast, and it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it and can't wait to listen to your other ones. Thanks for turning me on to it. Sincerely, Bert Branson. Hey, thanks, Bert. Hey, thanks, Bert. That's super nice. That's Bert. Um, and we have uh, a, a rather a longer one by Darcy Juarez. Uh, she wrote to us about um, us missing a crucial puzzle piece from A Knight's Tale. Ooh. She thinks that we didn't talk enough about the courtly love of that film. Yes. Um, she thinks that uh, basically we should have talked a little bit more about To how- my coy mistress. That's what the word I was thinking of last week. To my coy mistress. It's a poem. It's a Petrarchan poem. Thank you, Who's Darcy. I don't know, but it's about courtly love. Hold on. I'm going to have you guess after I look it up. Sir Walter Scott. Mm, think think about certain movies that you really don't like, that you can't watch anymore. Michael Bay. No, that you can't watch anymore. Um, Baz Luhrmann. No, they're, they're movies that you refuse to get back into. Billy Madison. They're, they're popular films and TV shows right now. Um, the MCU, Marvel, Kevin Feige, Andrew Marvel, <laughs> Andrew Marvel, <laughs> to my coy mistress, coy. The word I was looking for last week was coy. And anyway, so uh, basically, she she was saying that what uh, Heath Ledger is going through in the film is he is trying to pursue her and she's trying to put him through the paces of in order to woo me you have to go through the steps of courtly love which i like that he didn't have to and he went through it his own way he still went through it no he so he proved himself to her yeah in a way but he didn't go through it in the courtly manner he went through it in basically the the most field yeah in the most brash low-class way of getting punished yeah yeah so i like that thanks for writing in darcy that Good point, and thank you for reminding me of the word coy. <laughs> um, well, next week, what are we watching? Ooh, good Q. Good Q. I'm trying to figure out who the actor plays Q on. Um, thing. James Bond? I don't know. Uh, no, in uh, Star Trek. Oh, John DeLancey. All right, give me a number between 1 and 177. <laughs> Four Ooh. for the four best men in this movie. <gasps> yes, I've been waiting so long for this. It's blast from the past. Hey, another, yes. another. What, what were you calling them? High profile rom coms? No, no. Nineties. Um, uh, high concept. High concept rom coms. Yes, I'm very excited. I haven't seen this since probably TNT in high school. Yes. Um. So next week is blast from the past. Some things to think about during your week. Please check us out on Instagram, on Facebook at, at romcomgents. Write us at romcomgents at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon where you can read about Kelly's James Bond essay, but you can also vote in our poll. Let's see if there's any, if the any the dial has moved on our poll. 
So this month's movie poll, we've got five-year engagement, Palm Springs. It could happen to you when forgetting Sarah Marshall and Palm Springs is winning. Still winning. So if you want to change that, you have one week left to vote and let us know. After that, we will pick that movie. And then there'll be a new poll next month, so check that out. And also, if you could be a deer and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love it. That would be really nice. And it would be so cool if you could leave us like a little five-starter thing. Yeah, as soon as we're done talking here, just go right back into Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you have and leave us a review. Even if you don't have Apple Podcasts, that's the one everybody cares about. I, I know literally... I, I know it's kind of dumb, but... I wrote into another podcast to like say my, my thoughts and they were so... They got me good. They're like, hey, those were really good ideas is we'll read it on the show oh, by the way um if you haven't already you know rate rate our show on apple podcast it's been a while and i'm like well since you're reading my thoughts yeah so don't be like ryan was <laughs> just do it <laughs> just write it there in the first place <laughs> but the thing is like we've read reviews when they come up so if yeah, you yeah. Want to, i mean we'll it's a way of getting on the show yeah so come hit us up um and ryan even though you slept with mia i love you <laughs> Oh, Mia, Mama, I love you too. <laughs> and this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide to rom-coms. <laughs>